Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. Minute where cocktails are on the menu for Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 79, which begins with Wes being unleashed, and it ends with Max driving the rig without a door. <laughs> when we left off last minute, there was a bad cop sitting on the roof of a red Murano, and they were pulling up alongside the Humongous. As we join in today, that bad cop reaches over, grabs onto the roll cage of the Lord Humongous's truck and steps onto the truck. And my mind is recalled back to Wes jumping from that motorcycle onto the rig and how difficult it looked and how effortless this transition was. I think it just goes to show when both drivers are cooperating, you can pass people back and forth between two vehicles a lot simpler than we saw before. I think it takes more than cooperation for that to be so smooth. <laughs> I think it takes a lot of skill on everyone's part. Yeah. <laughs> All three participants need to be very skilled. Do you remember why Wes's jump was so awkward? I'm willing to bet it's because he was jumping not so much from the sidecar he was riding in, but pushing off from the rear fender of the motorcycle he was jumping from. Yeah, I remember we talked about it, but I don't remember what we said. They ramped up the difficulty so much by just swerving to the other side of the truck. Like, if they had stayed on the right side of that vehicle, Wes could have pretty much stepped from that sidecar onto the back of the Mac. But no, they had to do it the hard way, go over to the left side and then have him <laughs> fling himself off. But here, the Murano just gets right up, almost right on top of the Lord Humongous's truck. So it's just a simple step. Yeah, so the bad cop goes over to Humongous's truck like it was planned. Mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be any communication between the vehicles saying, give me the bad cop. So I, I don't know why this happened. There is a delicate dance going on and seemingly no communications uh -huh. it's not like humongous is gesturing that we can see come up here get over here you go here you go here there's something that we're missing the bad cop's purpose seems to be to free wes we don't get to see why humongous all of a sudden decides to let wes go we don't see him indicate anything we just see bad cop come over Humongous then rips the chain apart with his bare hands, mm -hmm. and Bad Cop clips Wes's wrist chains with a bolt cutter. That seems to actually be his purpose in coming over, yeah. is that he had the bolt cutters. Do they only have one pair of bolt cutters that they all share? That seems terribly inefficient. I mean, granted, mm -hmm. we've said multiple times this horde isn't necessarily the sharpest bunch of knives in the drawer, but... Right. Even if the bolt cutters were on the truck already, mm -hmm. with the toady gone, there was no available person to get the bolt cutters and free Wes. Gotcha. So the bad cop, he was there because he had to come to me, cover me, hold me together. We'll break those chains of love. Yes. Don't give up. Don't give up. Together with me and my baby, we'll break the chains of love. Yes. You did that. I, you, I did do that. You found that connection. That That is my fault. <laughs> When it comes to the Lord Humongous motioning to people, we don't see what brings on the Murano. 
the only indication that he's communicating at all with any other vehicle is when he turns and looks to his right. It's a very tight three-quarter shot of just his head and shoulders. We don't see if he's waving around anyone or anything like that. But on the right side of his truck, up comes the red snake truck with the spear gun in the back and almost looks like a windshield from a boat. Very low and angled. But those guys come up on the one side. So now he's got the Murano on one side, the snake truck on the other side. And the dudes in the snake truck are wearing these sunglasses that really stood out to me. You remember, I think it's back in 2000, the X-Men movie, Cyclops. Yes. James Marston. He's got sunglasses that are, at least when he's in his x-man get up that is just one large lens that wraps around his face yes that's the kind of sunglasses that these guys in the snake truck are wearing and you can still buy those they're still on the market you can go on amazon they're like 10 to 15 dollars depending on quality oh yeah they're so ridiculous looking (laughs) i mean on the one hand i'm glad they're wearing eye protection because when you're going at speed like that you want eye protection otherwise you're going to be squinting the whole time but even so, they're so goofy looking. So like you said, the humongous, he rips the chain off of Wes's collar. Wes gets his wrist chains broken by the bolt cutters. And then he does something that really redeems him for that one jump from the motorcycle to the rig. And he does this huge leap from the Lord Humongous's truck onto the snake truck. Yes, he makes it look so easy. It's the kind of thing that you would expect from a guy who does somersaults when he really doesn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> Before we leave Humongous's truck behind, I want to clarify, because honestly, I can't remember what we've talked about in the past. So, have we discussed the scouts on the front of Humongous's truck, if we think they're alive or dead? The last time we discussed the scouts, it was when Max was driving through the raider camps with the rig, and we saw the Lord Humongous poking in the dirt with that spatula blade thing, and there were two raiders at the front of his truck trying to put food up underneath the hoods to force-feed the captives. And it's then that we suspected that both of them had already died. Okay. That these are just cadavers tied to the front of the truck now. Okay. You know, I really prefer it that way. I know it's still gruesome that he's got dead bodies strapped to the front of his truck. But for the sake of the two scouts, I really hope that they are dead at this point. You know what the really unfortunate part is, aside from them being tortured and dying in such awful conditions, dead bodies stink when they're left out like that. And yes. As the Lord Humongous is driving, he's just in the open air. So he's just driving constantly in corpse smell. Yes, he is. And he's also wearing leather, which tends to, like, absorb smell over time. So... Wow. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Oh, oh dear. I mean, thankfully, it was winter in Australia, so it's not like it was baked corpse. It was semi-chilled dead body. So I don't know if that makes it better. I feel like it just makes it worse. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's much that could make it better. No. (laughs) You know what would make it a lot better? If he took those bodies down and didn't drive around with them all the time. Yes. (laughs) Although it's not going to matter for that much longer, right? No, it's not. (laughs) There's one more sight gag that we have to do with those corpses. So that'll come later on. Look forward to that. So with Wes on the snake truck, he climbs more into position with them and they speed away. The snake truck is now not exactly taking point, but he's they're advancing on the tanker. We catch up with Zeta, who is peeking out from 
his rear fortification that's, I guess, just welded onto the back of the tanker. And then we get to see the mechanic peeking out from behind his fortification. And we get a really nice POV shot looking back from that tanker. We do. It's another one of my favorite shots of this entire movie. We get to see the entirety of the horde that has come along for the ride spread out across the landscape both on and off the road. And the the vehicles are accompanied by these lovely parallel lines of the dust trails. Uh, we haven't seen those in a while. I think the last time we saw them really was back when we were watching from the pinnacle the attack on the compound. So it's nice to see those back again because they're so pretty. Yeah, it's got some good perspective lines to it. And it helps to emphasize the odds that Zeta and the mechanic find themselves up against because it's really their point of view that we're seeing from. It is. And seeing what they're up against, we then cut back to the mechanic who throws a Molotov cocktail. Yep. They're finally fighting back. Yes. We also get to see Zeta throw a cocktail. Mm -hmm. So for the record, two cocktails. But only one cocktail lands. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing I noticed as we were watching this minute. I watched it over and over again looking for something hitting the ground. Maybe the second one hit really close to the first one. No, no, only one hit Mm. in frame. Yeah. It did a lot of damage. And it was spectacular looking. Oh, certainly. The car that was hit, the black and white car, is a 1974 ZG Fairlane with LTD front guards from the same year. The grille had been modified and looks to be a 1953 Buick Roadmaster grille. Visually, it's perfect match. The hood seems to be from an XA model. And of course, that was straight from MadMaxMovies.com, where I get all of my car info there. But all of that embellishment doesn't really protect it from the fact that it's now engulfed in flames. Once the car's engulfed in flames... The driver goes off the road, maybe perhaps taking a buggy with him along the way. It's really hard to tell, but maybe. Yeah. And I get the sense that this car was taken out of commission more from the driver's panic at the car being on fire than the car being on fire. Yeah. I'm making an awful assumption here, but I feel like it begs the asking, if a Molotov hits a windshield and the windshield stays intact and you've got wipers on that windshield, if you activate the wipers and can push away the flammable liquid, does that make it easier to deal with? Well, no, because the... Wipers are going to catch on fire because they're made of rubber. Oh, yeah. And then they start to melt and get all streaky. Yeah. Like some, like one of those weird crayon pranks. Yes. Hmm. I guess the bad cop could have stuck his head out the window to try and see, but even then. It worked for the curmudgeon. He stuck his head out the window and kept driving just fine. Yeah. Maybe it's just the fact that there were so many flames that just really got to that guy. Right. I mean, it's a natural response. Yeah. Your car's on fire. You freak out a little. It's just a shame he didn't use his indicators. I mean, kind of reminds me of a Massachusetts driver. (laughs) He just swerved and everyone had to get out of his way because he had to get to the side of the road. Yeah. Ugh, so inconsiderate. Even though we only see one cocktail land, I love this next shot. We get to see both the mechanic and Zeta celebrating. Oh, yeah. They are so happy that they took out a car. Oh, they're going to break their arms from patting themselves on the back so hard. One of them does not deserve to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) And because we get to see the mechanic celebrate first, 
I always assumed that it was his cocktail that hit the car, mm-hmm. which I'm not really sure. That doesn't seem really accurate, but I give him the credit. <laughs> you sound a bit cynical about how much they're celebrating. I'm just trying to think. Between the two of them, who do you think would be more accurate in throwing something? And The mechanic has the height Exactly. Advantage. He has the higher ground. Plus, his arms are probably stronger because he has to use his arms for everything when he's not in that sling thing. Right. I mentioned he probably spends most of his time in that sling thing. Yeah. But pulling himself up and moving himself around. Zeta seems like the kind of guy that would throw something and just whiff it. He's about as good as throwing things as I am, which means he's not good at throwing things at all. <laughs> There's a reason I don't do sports ball stuff, and it's because I try and throw something in a direction, and it doesn't go in that direction. I would be useless at throwing Molotovs in this situation. That's one of the beautiful things about Molotovs, is that you don't really have to be terribly accurate. If you can just hit the car at all, Yeah, th- that car's going to catch on fire. Now, good luck hitting a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> Although, oh, imagine landing a Molotov cocktail right in the lap of the driver of a motorcycle. Ooh, I feel like... Because their lap is the gas tank, for one. I'm trying to think about the structure of a glass bottle and how for the Molotov cocktail to spread, the glass bottle needs to break. I'm trying to imagine a Molotov cocktail flying through the air and hitting a motorcyclist in their lap. And if it hits, like, the fleshy bit of the lap... It probably won't break, but it'll probably leave a really big bruise. And considering what's in a lap, that would probably take out the motorcycle without the glass bottle even breaking. Yeah, and then when the motorcycle goes down... Then the bottle breaks. Then the bottle breaks, and the entire thing goes up in flames. So not only have they been hit in a sensitive area with a glass bottle, but then they crashed, and then they lit on fire, and then they exploded. That sounds like the worst day ever. But I still stand by my statement that someone is celebrating undeservedly. Well, they could be celebrating for the other person. I guess. But, you know, in that case, send flowers. In that case, throw another cocktail. Yeah! They spend all this time, yay, we did it! I'm like, yeah, do it again! Mm Mm-hmm. There are a lot more cars. Come on, guys. Get it together. You know, these three particular people, Warrior Woman, Zeta, and the Mechanic, are on the truck because they are the military branch yeah of the compound they're not acting like it no like <laughs> i'll give an exception to warrior woman because she has not played her part yet not in this minute does she play her part she will but zen and the mechanic i don't know yeah the mechanic especially he's so goofy he has some <laughs> facial expressions he does he does if i remember correctly he's wearing goggles i think like his working goggles Mm-hmm. He takes his goggles off to throw the cocktail. Yeah. And I'm not really sure why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like something that would take an extra moment when you could be throwing cocktails. But he's got some crazy expressions, especially tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> tomorrow is not a good moment for the mechanic. No. 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 It's not something he'd want to put on his resume. No. So after the burning car has gone off the side of the road, we check in with Max. He's... Still driving. Yep. Still Max. I think the most important thing about this shot is that he looks to his right because the snake truck is starting to advance on his flank. And then we get to have a quick check-in with the feral child who does not seem to be having fun. Oh, this 
glimpse of the feral child makes me sad. He looks so scared and little. And the opposite part of me is like, you brought this on yourself, you little brat. Yeah. You did this. You could be safe in the bus heading in the opposite direction, but no, you wanted to come along and hang out with Max. Mm-hmm. See what it's really like? Being Mad Max isn't all leather and shotguns and driving fast. It sucks. Yeah. And you almost die a lot. <laughs> it's like a hallmark of being Mad Max. Yes. <laughs> you spend half your time almost dying. Yeah. The next big part of this minute is Wes in the snake truck who has found a grappling hook. I'm pretty sure it was in there from before, but he is riding in prime swinging location, hanging off the side of that snake truck, and he's just got that grappling hook going round and round and round, and they are headed straight for the cab of the rig. I love the presence of the grappling hook because, of course... The spare room in your car, your back seat or wherever, should have random things in it that you've come across in your marauding. Something looks useful in some way, like a grappling hook. Put it in your car. Yeah. You never know when it could come in handy. I like the inclusion and the use of the grappling hook because it kind of reminds me of pirate movies not the pirate movie just pirate movies in general when you've got pirate ships coming up alongside larger ships and they use grappling hooks to well grapple (laughs) the ships together yes (laughs) it makes the fact that they are road raiders and wasteland pirates just seems apt for them i agree i will call shenanigans on getting through that window on the first throw Yeah, that's a really accurate throw. I mean, granted, it's not a small window, but it's also not a huge window. And Wes nails it. Yeah, he really does. In fact, he comes really close to nailing it in a big way because that grappling hook comes really close to hooking onto not just the door, but the steering wheel as well. I have a question for you. If it had hooked onto the steering wheel, what would have happened? What would have given way first, do you think? I'm willing to bet the steering wheel would have popped off the steering column because the steering wheel is just tubular steel attached to a little nut cranked down onto the steering shaft. Yes. Okay. That one little connection probably would have given way long before the steering column suffered any real damage. Right. And I'm betting that there wasn't a big old wrench to put on that steering column so that he could keep steering. Exactly. Max was really lucky in this situation that he didn't have a fury road happen to him. Yeah. Because that's exactly what happened. I want to say in the scene... Where Max and Furiosa are going through the valley with the motorcycle guys that have the Molotovs and the firebombs. Someone has a grappling hook that fires Seriously? through the window and Is pulls it like out the... an exact recreation of this chase? The entire movie? More or less. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... <laughs> I think once we get to Fury Road, we're going to see so many parallels. Oh, yeah. That we haven't yet picked out, even though we've picked out quite a few already. Mm-hmm. I have a confession okay. to make that my notes, I start to write the sentence, maybe an open window wasn't such a good idea before I realized why the window was open, that it was kind of a big deal that Wes already broke that window. Mm-hmm. 
and I forgot. You know, I feel like if someone in the compound had a box of like plastic garbage bags and a roll of duct tape, they probably just would have done what you see people do where they hold up the garbage bag over the window and then they just tape around the edges and really seal it off. Sacrifice the visibility for a modicum of protection against things flying through it randomly. Okay. Do you think that would have stopped the grappling hook getting through? Oh, heck no. But it would have severely hampered Wes's aim. Like, if Wes was throwing that grappling hook through the window in order to hook the steering wheel, and the fact that it hooked on the door was just a funky consolation prize, like, that black trash bag in the window would have given him nothing to shoot for, other than the door itself. Wow. Okay. I mean... I... I can't really argue against that. It would have made the rig look really, really just run down and grody. Well, more than it already is. But there's something about when you see a car in a parking lot or out on the road and their window's covered by a trash bag. And you're like, oh, man, come on, dude. Just seriously. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's weird because in our part of the country, you're pretty much required to have car insurance. So it's like, just let car insurance handle it. I don't know. Wow, you say that, but... We live in a part of the country that does not require you to have car insurance. I'm pretty sure every other state besides ours right. does. And ours being so small, it's hard to go a day without leaving the state. Exactly. That reminds me of this vague story it, that I have in my head, and I'll probably get like half the details wrong, but I remember when I was a kid, probably somewhere between 7 and 10, my parents went on a vacation, although I seem to remember that it was like a working vacation. Can't remember. Anyways, my parents were out of town and us kids were staying with friends and our station wagon, I believe, was in our home driveway. Mm -hmm. And we were staying only a few blocks away. We lived in military housing at the time, so it was a relatively safe neighborhood. Lots of people around. We weren't that far away from our home. Anyways, when my parents came home, somebody had broken the back window and had been sleeping in the car. Yeah, it was really weird. This is incredibly vague, my memory of this. Anyways, long story short, we drove around for a little while with the plastic bag on our window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not a good look. No, it's not. It's not a good look at all. So you know how some people say that sometimes when God closes a door, he opens a window? Yes. Wes operates a little differently. Sometimes when Wes punches out a window... He eventually just tears the door clean off, which is exactly what happens after that grappling hook secures itself on the window frame. The snake truck swerves away from the rig, that chain goes taunt, and that door comes off like tissue paper. Yes, it does. For how long it took the snake truck to swerve out of the way and tear that door off, I have to wonder that if Max had someone else in the cab with him, like a co-driver or something like that, mm -hmm. he could have said, grab the wheel while I take care of this grappling hook, let go of the wheel for a moment, unhooked the grappling hook while the chain was still droopy, and gotten rid of it. My only response to that is absolutely yes, because once again, Fury Road... Having both Max and Furiosa in the cab, whichever one is driving and whichever one is the passenger, having both skilled drivers up front proved useful time and time again to them. Oh, absolutely. So, yes, I think if he had had another skilled 
person up in front with him, yeah, he might have been able to do something about it. I imagine that if Max had returned with the rig and the raiders that got their way into the compound behind the rig before the bus gate closed, Mm -hmm. if those cars had not gotten in and they didn't have an extra vehicle for Papagallo to run interference in, Papagallo probably would have been on that tanker somewhere, either on the outside defending it that way or inside the cab with Max helping out. Yeah, I I think that really would have been a good position for somebody to take because they could have been armed as well. Mm -hmm. They could have had a crossbow and shooting people as they got too close to the cab and also there to aid Max. And what if Max got shot in the head and died? Yeah. And there's no backup. The whole thing's over right there. So yeah, I think they should have had somebody else in the cab. Yeah. And I think I'm not sure Papagallo would have been the best person to put in the cab with him. I think the warrior woman probably would have been a really good person to put in the cab. Yeah. But Papagallo is certainly better than nobody. Wes is able to rip that door right off. And he is just, once again, so happy with himself. He is eager to get back up on par with the cab. And so he's yelling, go, 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 go. And the final shot of this movie is Max driving the truck and he's turned around looking behind him just out this open void of a door Mm -hmm. at the snake truck beside him and it's like oh well here I am this is getting interesting (laughs) just lost a huge amount of protection I was able to pull two flubs slash trivia things from the Mad Max movies trivia page for this minute specifically. In the shot after Wes pulls off the door and the door starts dragging behind them You can see back behind the rig, there's a dune buggy with another raider with the grappling hook. That is something that we're going to see in tomorrow's minute, Mm -hmm. but we're going to see it from them coming up onto the road and getting in position. So with their inclusion in this shot, we're technically seeing them make that maneuver twice. Yes, it shouldn't be there yet. Exactly. Mm, Okay. Another thing, just after Wes rips the door off the truck, there's a shot from outside the cabin looking in at Max. It's this last one here. And you can actually see above Max's waist, below Max's hands and arm, there is another person in that cab. Ah. It's a member of the crew, specifically Dennis Williams, who was the stunt driver for that truck. The wheel that Max is holding on to, production-wise, is not technically the real steering wheel. (laughs) Dennis is the one crouched down beside Mel that's actually driving the truck. Oh, that's funny. And you can see him, just the top half of his head, peeking out over Max's lap. Oh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. So we're going to leave Max in his doorless cab. We are going to transition to a different shot, pretty much right at the top of tomorrow's minute, and we're going to shift our focus to the rear of the rig and see what they're doing, seeing if they're still celebrating. And uh, it'll be Friday, so we'll have a totally awesome guest with us. (laughs) The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 7 of the Road Warrior. See you tomorrow.